0: Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. This is a football. Oh, I'm so tempted. I'm so tempted. Maybe in a second. This is a football. In 1961, the Green Bay Packers had just lost the Super Bowl. Now, they did not lose the Super Bowl by much. In fact, they were winning most of the game until the fourth quarter, and they blew that lead, and they end up losing the Super Bowl. So they come to training camp the following uh, summer, and they're ready to take their team to the next level, man. We're talking about people who have been in the championship game. They're high-level athletes, right? And now they're looking for that thing to put them over the edge, that, just that extra something, right? And the coach, the great coach, Vince Lombardi, comes in, and he you know, comes to the players and they're expecting, you know, something different and he just comes and says, this is a football. What he was saying was, it's time for us to clear everything out of our minds, to clear the slate, go all the way back to the beginning and realize first our fundamentals. We got to learn how to block, we got to learn how to tackle We're going to learn all the plays. They went back to the playbook, page one. Now, the rest of that story, and I know some of you know this story. You've probably heard this example before. They actually went on to win the Super Bowl that 1962 years. They won the Super Bowl five out of the next seven years. Vince Lombardi never lost a playoff game since that talk. And he goes down as one of the greatest coaches in history. Today, Hope Church, we're going back to this is a football. Who wants it? (laughs) Not bad. Not bad. I'll take it. Sure. (laughs) It's safer that way. I'm so sorry, Chris Trent. You got scared. I know. We are starting a new series today called BASIC And I pulled the dictionary definition out for this one BASIC, forming an essential foundation or starting point Fundamental, the essential facts or principles of a subject or skill And that's what we're doing in this series We're going to take all summer to go back to the BASICS We're going right back to square one. We're going back there as a church. We're going to answer some questions, the basic things that we believe as a church, but more importantly, you should know this by now. For me, this is not about Hope Church. This is about all of you individually, figuring out where you're at in its most basic form. And so today we're going to start with the question what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? Now, I realize there's a whole group of people here, all in different places, and I know maybe what some of you are thinking. Some of you who are new to church, new to God, you're exploring, you're like, oh, this is great. We get to see exactly how Tom's going to define, how Hope Church might define what being a Christian is. I'm excited. I can't wait for this. Again, whether I agree or disagree, that's okay. I'm excited to hear that. Awesome. That's why we're doing this series. There's another group of people in this room who would say, yep, I'm a Christian. And maybe you've said you're a Christian for the last 40, 50 years of your life. I don't know. Maybe that's you. And you might be tempted to tune out a little bit, to take out your phone, to, you know, look at who the Yankees are playing today, all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to encourage you to stay with me. Because I actually think there are things here for you today. Also, it's a chance for us to get excited because we really get to talk about the most basic thing about our faith. And that should fire everybody who walks with God up. So that's what we're going to do today. So we want to define that term. So, so what is a Christian? Something that we do or something that we are? Now I'm going to get into that by jumping into a scripture today. Today's going to be a very, very different talk uh, for what I typically do. So again, bear with me for that. Uh, Come back again because it will look very differently. But I'm going to go to a different place today because we are going from the beginning, right? So we are going to look at a passage of scripture and we're going to go through kind of line by line and we're going to break some things apart. But before I do that, before I do that, I'm going to have this whiteboard because I need to set up just a couple things here about the very, very basic things. Because here we have, when we talk about Christianity, when we talk about being a Christian, I want to set up what does the Bible say? What are some baseline facts? We're going to go through this super quick, okay? So first, I warn you, I am not an artist at all. You may or may not be able to see that, but I'm going to try my best. That's God. We go back way to the very beginning. It says, in the beginning, God. Okay, so that's the assumption first I'm making. So we have God who was from the beginning. And at a certain point of time in this infinity loop, we have him creating the universe. So the stars, the planets, the water, the sky. I'm not even going to try to... to uh, look at that, I can't even draw a star, there we go. The sun, you know, all the things, the animals, okay, they put a tail on this thing and a head. I hear you laughing, mom, that's not good. The world, the universe, but here, is, here it is, the crowning achievement was What? Humans. All right, he makes men. He makes women. And the Bible says everything was good. It was perfect. We have a perfect world. But something happened. They made a choice to go outside some of the rules that God actually had one rule. They broke that. And so now, forever and always, the world was broken And this is where we call, you know, sin enters the world. And now we just inherit that. Just when we're born, we're already sinners. You realize that? This is what the Bible teaches. We're going going fast and we're going through this quickly. So then, now we live in this broken world. And you get to the Bible. And the Old Testament's all about um, particularly one group of people, the Israelites. But we see basically records of some of the earliest uh, civilizations. All right? And so we have people uh, coming through there, Um, and what's really interesting is uh, at a certain point, God says, you know what, through Israel, there's going to be a hope for the broken world, and that's when we venture into the New Testament here, and now we start looking at the life of Jesus, who is called the Messiah, the chosen one of Israel, and he is going to be the solution for the sin problem. All right? You with me so far? Okay. So Jesus lives his life on earth. That's where we start seeing the New Testament. He starts having followers, disciples, various people who, are, who are, are following this new way, this new teaching. And by the way, that's what it was earliest called the way. Okay, I'm actually gonna put that down here too, the way. And so now we are in this New Testament here and we see the solution finally comes in the form of, Of Jesus dying on the cross. Forever and always. This takes away the sins of the world. There's hope for everyone. This is the solution. This was God's solution, but it's not done yet because He's dead, but three days later, He comes to the grave, right? Terrible, terrible. This is a stone rolling away from the grave. (laughs) One of the epic days of Christianity that we celebrate is the resurrection of Jesus. And that means that we can have hope, new hope. Putting our confidence in a world that's going to eventually be restored to whole. We call this the gospel. We call this the gospel. This is the good news, right? That's what that means. This is what we all need. That's our hope. And so we have these followers, the earliest followers, people who walked with Jesus, who knew Jesus well. We have people like Peter and Paul and Mary I'm also not a good jokester, no. (laughs) But here we have now, these are followers of Jesus who are going out into the world to bring this news. Does that make sense? Are you with me so far? Okay. I'm not saying you have to agree with me. I'm not saying anything else, but this is what the Bible teaches. So now we're gonna pick up the Bible, and we're gonna go, if you have one, you could turn to Acts chapter 17. If not, everything's gonna be on This, uh, this screen today, and I will try to move this out of the way a little bit just so you can see a little bit better. Maybe that'll help. We're going to go through this because here we have now, we're looking at this guy, Paul. We're looking at this guy, Paul. He starts to believe in the way, and you must remember, this is about, best I can tell, 20 to 30 years after Jesus rose from the grave. And so there's followers all around the world and they're going out and they're telling people now about this new thing called the way. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me read it. So this is uh, verse 16 of Acts chapter 17, if you want to follow along. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. So again, here we have different people going out into the world to tell about this new thing that's happening. This is Paul. He's in Greece. He's in Athens. Athens, okay? Something about Athens is, is another cultural center of the world at that time. I'll keep reading or I'll never get through this. He was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. So I'm going to stop us again really quickly. You know, when we go maybe to New York City or some other place, and we see people like on the corner, street corner, you know, talking about God or talking about religion, we kind of get this kind of this immediate feeling like, Ugh. I don't know about that. Actually, I was in uh, Newport just uh, last week, and at one of the stops on the, um, what's it called? Not the airline trail. What's it called? The cliff walk, thank you. The cliff walk, there was there was someone in, in the same way. They're they they're telling the really now now this now this is a little bit different. This was pretty commonplace. Okay, this was this was not weird. This was this was pretty normal. Remember, communication is very different now than it was then. There was no internet, you know, there there was no communication other than we, we talk to people. So here's Paul, he's in the uh, synagogue courtyard and he's talking to people here. All right. He also had a debate. Um, uh, with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. Again, let me stop. There's a lot of different religions. There's a lot of different thoughts. There's a lot of different ideologies. There's a lot of different philosophies going around in Athens. Okay? One or two ways. We have, we have the Stoics. Uh, we have here the um, Epicureans. Not going to get into all of that. But just know there's a lot of different thoughts and beliefs out there. All right, so this is his thing, and they have all these gods set up, and they have all these temples to these gods, and they have all these monuments to these gods. We'll get to that in a second. And so he says, when he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what is this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? This was brand new for them. Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Now again, gods, this was, this was not unusual. They lived in a culture that, had, that was polytheistic. Tons of gods. They worshipped tons of different gods. Okay? And so, then they took him to the high council of the city. They're like, we want to talk more here. Come tell us about this new teaching. Notice, new. Right? The gospel, this new way is starting to be spread throughout the world. This is new. They had never heard it. You're saying some rather strange things. And we want to know what it's all about. So then there's this little parenthetical phrase. It should be explained that the Athenians, as well as all the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. Again, a very educated, a very curious crowd, a very religious crowd. I find it fascinating. Do you see why I'm going back to this story? Because we're, start, we're starting right from the beginning, this is brand new. So the idea is, if what we're going to find out is what it means to be a Christian, we're going to see what Paul says from the very beginning. All right, number 22. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. I was walking along and I saw the many shrines and one of your altars had this inscription on it. So again, he's looking, he's looking at all the different gods in this city that people worship. And he comes upon this one that says, to an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. I love this. So they have all these different gods set up. They may marry all different names of these gods. Again, they bring them sacrifices. They, they do whatever they did when they worship these gods, whether it was money they brought or jewels or even sometimes in really pagan societies, they, they sacrificed humans. But I like how Andy Stanley says this. There's this just-in-case god. Just in case we're missing one, we have an altar set up to the one who's unknown. Just in case we miss something. And Paul comes in and he goes, oh, I got that one. I'm going to tell you about that one. The one you're missing. All right, let let me keep going. He's the God who made the world and everything in it. And since he's the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life, note this, and breath to everything and satisfies every need. Now I'm struck by this. I'm struck by this phrase. Because people, and honestly, us even in our culture, we believe we have this idea that we need to take this and offer this thing to God we need to give to god. And Paul flipped that right around. He says, "Oh, this guy, oh, he's the one who gives." See what I'm saying? Find that fascinating. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. So now he's setting up this god who's in charge of everything the world, and all that is in it. He decided, he created, and he determines. is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. It's fascinating. He goes on and he explains. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. I like that. Though he's not far from any one of us, So it's interesting, you know, he's right there, he's available, he's saying. He's not really far, he's closer than you think. For in him we live and we move and we exist, as some of your prophets, your own poets have said. We're his offspring, and I like that too, because what is he doing? He's actually bringing in relevance of his culture at the time. He's quoting some of their own philosophers and some of their own poets. Those words, exactly. And he's saying, you guys have talked about this. There's something different out there. There's something unknown. So he's using their own, their own uh, vernacular there. Uh, let me keep uh, moving here. I lost my place. Oh, it, it, so we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. You see, maybe in the Old Testament, he says, I'm overlooking some of the things here before because we didn't have that cross to look at. We didn't have the resurrection that you're familiar with because it's in your lifetime. You don't have that to look back to. So he gave a little more grace to the people who lived previous to you. But now... um, Now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, that's Jesus, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Paul goes back to this event. (laughs) This event. And says, this was the linchpin event. And when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed. We're used to that. Some, some people, some people in here, have you're not laughing outwardly because uh, you're not like that. But inside you're like, yeah, this seems kind of crazy. Totally get that. But others said, we want to hear more. About this later. Some of you in here are like that too. We want to hear more. I'm curious. And that ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Believers. I love that passage of scripture because it takes us right from the beginning. People who lived and walked with Jesus, who followed the way right from the beginning. Listen, remember this. There is no Bible at that time. Do you realize that? So here we have someone who's writing down, let's call it a journal of the things, because they were so, they knew something was up. They knew there was something significant happening, and they started writing this down. Later, they would be pulled together to form the Bible. But here he says, this is what you know. This is what you've heard about your parents talk about or your brother. Maybe he was there or your sister. And he goes through and he says, this is what it means to be a Christian. And I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you right now. And if we can't get more basic than this, we're going to call it, and some of you have heard of this, A, B, and C. Okay? This is what it means. In its most basic form, what does it mean to be a Christian? Number one, admit you need help. Now, there's something significant about this word. I'll come back to that in a second because you're already reading ahead on me. Number two, believe. We're believing that Jesus actually is the solution that he says he was. That he is the way in the truth and the life, right? And then there's a third thing. And I think this is critical. And we'll talk about all these things. Now we're committing to Jesus as the Lord of our life. We're committing to something ongoing. So first we admit we got to get past that part first. Second, we believe. And third, um, we commit. So in its most basic form, a Christian is one who follows Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you an interesting fact. The word Christian, anybody know how many times it's used in the Bible? Anybody want to take a guess? It's somewhere between, I heard six and I heard zero. It's somewhere right between there. Three times. The word Christian is used in the Bible. Three. You know what word is used 269 times in regards to following Jesus? It's this word, disciple. 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 That might be the better term for what we're talking about. We're talking about one who commits a lifestyle of trust in Jesus. So a Christian is not just about what you do. It is about who you are. It's a relationship you enter. I, I, I can't explain this enough. relationship is critical. These are people who walked with Jesus. And part of that is our walking with Jesus makes us accrued. We can't just say, yeah, that's me. And then we go and do our own thing. No, we have to commit to following. A, B, and C. And you might be saying right now, ah, Tom, but you don't understand. This, is, this can't be for me. I've done way too many bad things. You just don't understand. I have this thing and I can't get past it. My life is way too screwed up. How can salvation be for me? And I'm here to say it is for you. And there are no boundaries. Listen to what Paul says later on. He's now in a different part of the world. He's uh, talking to this group of, of believers and he writes this down in Romans chapter 10 and he says this. If you openly declare... That Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, again, we have it there, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts him. It doesn't say some people, it doesn't mean the slightly better people. It says, anyone who trusts him, will never be disgraced. God's never going to turn his nose up at you. Jews and Gentiles, so he's going on, all people are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is hope. There is relationship available to you. Now you say, so what does it mean then when we admit and when we believe and when we commit, then what does that mean for me as a Christian? What does that that do? And here are some things I think you're going to get excited about because I do. We just sang about, number one, you are now a child of God. You are now a child of God. You are His you know, and I know, again, I, he, family is family, right? You're always a child. Whether your child has gone off or done their own thing, whatever, they are always children. And we said, he says, you have a new family. You have something, you have a, you have a, a system now in place. Number two, your sins are gone forever, in other words, this is something I used to struggle with when I was a kid. You know, if I screwed up, I'd be like, oh man, now I have to do this whole thing again. i got to admit, i got to believe, i, I got to get resaved or whatever. No, no. The Bible is clear that once we do this, our sins are taken away forever. They're forgiven forever. Now that should still encourage us. We should still be doing the right thing as best as we know how. But that is gone. We are, they are gone forever. In fact, there's a scripture that says, he removed your sin all the thing that's weighing you down all that guilt all that stuff you have as far as the east is from the west again that's this other infinity reference here you can't get that back number 3 forgiveness is permanent always and forever number 4 you have a hope in a future our world needs hope Way back a long time ago, I talked about this before. That's why we named this church Hope Church. If there's something that people need, it is hope. Some of you are feeling hopeless right now. There's a quote I read this week by a pastor named Mark Clark. He says, that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. If the things that you trust in get taken away or destroyed, you can still wake up in the morning. See, here's the the truth. Here's the truth. We're all religious in some way, whether you call yourself a Christian or not. You're all trying to do certain things that you believe are going to make you a better person or are going to get you something. Right? We all are putting our faith in something. With Jesus, all those things could be gone, and we still have him because he's in our heart. Of something deep, something meaningful. Next, you can talk to God anytime. We have this instant access to the almighty God of the universe. We could talk to him anytime. And finally the holy spirit comes as our helper. We have God inside us as we live our life each and every day. That's why he gives us the holy spirit. We talked about this a few months ago. He seals us. That means we're his forever. We can't get we can't get rid of it. He gives us hope in the future. He gives us comfort. And so as I wrap up, I want to talk just about a couple things. I want to talk about a couple holdups. And you might wonder again, why are we talking about this? It seems like you've talked about it and Carrie, we've talked about it a lot this year. We're going right back. What? And it's because... We're just burdened for our world. We need to be looking out and say, what are people wrestling with? And so even as our church, we're using this as kind of a pause and we're going back, what are the most basic things that we believe that we can offer people? But here's some of the context for why we're talking about it. Some of the holdup, I think, in today's day and age, which was probably different 20 years ago and probably different 80 years ago, and these are just Tom's things. You might add more to this. I think this personal need for individualistic freedom and happiness just pervades our culture. Stop, pause, and think about that just for, for a second about what I said. The reason why hope is so critical, why we need a solution, is because in our minds, we're pervaded by this idea that we are the highest way. We are very individualistic, We are looking for what gives us freedom and happiness. Am I right? We're all looking for freedom and happiness. That's kind of like our goal. Every human. And I was thinking about that even again this week. And that's why I think just going back to this, what is this? What do we believe? It's so critical to talk about. We've put self over God. In fact, our story doesn't go back long enough. It's kind of in the beginning was me. I was born. Second thing I think that holds us up from getting to where we could accept what Jesus is offering as a solution is our resistance to organized structures and particularly organized religious structures. We're very skeptical and for good reason. There has been a lot of abuse, of authority, a lot of power, struggle. And so I get that. But we must understand there's something bigger than us. In other words, I said there's skepticism over God. We've put skepticism over God and we've valued that. And the third thing that I wrote down is for some it just seems old-fashioned. It does not seem a very enlightened approach. We're well beyond that. We have more things that we could draw from as far as experience and thought. We've got higher ways of knowing and learning. And I've just called this science or technology over God. I think our culture is pervaded by these things. Think about them on your own. There may be more. Self over God, skepticism over God, science and technology over God. But if we bring it all the way back, if we bring it all the way back to square one, this is a football. We need to go back to here and say, in the beginning, God, and we go through this, we go through this timeline and Jesus comes and he saves and he rises and he gives us hope and we have good news. It's going out to the world and these are the steps. If you want to just break it down, if that's helpful for you, in some way we need to admit I, uh, I uh, it, um, have my degree in counseling. I remember in school they would teach us, you know, someone, change is never going to happen unless someone admits they have a problem. And I think that's where a lot of us need to start. That might be the hardest thing for you. But even if you could get beyond that, then it's the second step of, of believing Maybe that's hard for you because you can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't always eh, touch it. Right? Maybe you some of you got that down, but then there's that third thing that some of us struggle with, and it's that whole commitment piece. Man, that changes how I think. In the things that I do, when I let Jesus say, you know, you're Lord, you have control. So what's the hold up for you? As I wrap this up, I want you to know that you are loved and that God is for you and not against you. And I believe that there is a hope in the future that we can have for eternity, not just for a day, not just for a week, but for eternity. If you want to talk about more, now this is a weird thing, you know, when you come to church, you know, there's somebody on the stage and then you guys are sitting there. It's very one way, right? Some of the things that have helped me the most in my entire life is being able to have conversations about this kind of thing. And we're offering that every week this summer, about 30 minutes after our service ends, in that gymnasium, any people and all people are welcome to have a conversation about this. Agree, disagree, Add to it, subtract. It gets you to know people in our church but it also allows a safe space to answer your questions so we have that available. Second thing I'll say, out in the lobby today, I have a book that if you would like to know more, if you want next steps, I think that's what it's called, I think it's called Next Steps, you go out there and you hand take one. Now just take one please so that other people can get it too and then pass it along. But that might help you. That might help you get to that next step in your mind and in your heart. I'm gonna have everybody kind of just uh, bow their heads in prayer with me. I'm gonna stay in this moment. This is as most basic as we're getting. What does it mean to be a Christian? Some of you have been able to receive that, others of you are still working on it, that's okay. But as we try to just kind of flesh out what God has for this church, but also for us individually, there's no important, no more important place to start than this. And so I would just say, if you have any other questions, come see us. We're going to have people here in the front afterwards that can answer questions. I'll be available to talk with someone. Lord, I want to thank you for Hope Church. I want to thank you uh, that we do have a hope that's secure, that our, we have a foundation that we can have that's secure in you. Lord, I pray that we would go back to even, you know, this, this message that Paul spoke in the earliest of days and just kind of, God, just go back to what does it really mean to admit that we have a problem, that we're sinners, and to believe that you are the solution and then to commit our lives to you. Give us clarity about that. Holy Spirit, please work inside of our hearts, work inside this church. We love you. I thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.